0: Welcome to the podcast, Pilates for PTs, from business to clinical. Hi y'all, my name is Steven Dunn. I co-own Core Therapy and Pilates in Austin, Texas, and I'm the founder of Pilates for PTs. I've been a physical therapist for over 20 years, and I've been teaching Pilates and gyrotonic in my physical therapy practice for the last 15 years. In this podcast, I interview experts from all over the world so that you can learn more on how to grow your business or how to improve your clinical skills as a flight instructor in the physical therapy world. Thanks for listening. All right. Hello, hello. Welcome, welcome. Uh, My name is Stephen Dunn, and today I have a special guest, Dr. Jared Cooper, and welcome to the podcast, basically. And what we're going to be doing today is we're going to be talking about Life after COVID, life during COVID, life That's after awesome. COVID. <laughs> yeah, and so as a business owner, I listened to uh, what Jared was speaking about about a week ago, and I was super excited to hear what he said. I've already put some of those things that I learned in that in that podcast he was doing into action, and with that, I missed some of it because I had to get off and do some things. And so I invited him on today because I knew. This information was valid. And I know this is a Pilates for PTs group, but this is a business owner's group, and it doesn't matter what niche you're in, this information is valuable. So with that said, Jared, welcome, man. Thank you for coming on. Tell us a little bit about yourself, just to introduce yourself to the audience, my man.
1: Sure, Stephen. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. And you were on my podcast as well, the Physio Mission podcast. That was a great interview. So your listeners should definitely check that out. So uh, I'm a private practice owner. I own a practice in Madison, New Jersey. Uh, we're a hybrid-based practice. Um, we've got a bunch of PTs that work for us. We do about a million in gross a year. And then I have a, um, a online business called Physio Secrets, where I help uh, young developing physical therapists uh, master their craft and essentially get what, what I consider to be three to five years of experience in about six weeks. And I do that by teaching a system called the Physio Frameworks, which essentially allows you to figure out what to do and why to do it with any patient that walks in the door, so you can get superior results, uh, you know, pretty early on in your career without having to take all this con ed and try to figure out, get more tools in your toolbox. It's like, you only need simple tools. You just say, I've got to know which ones to pull out at what time. So those are the two things I do. But since COVID, I've been doing less and less clinical teaching. primarily because I'm home at number one. And the only person I have to actually demonstrate techniques on is my wife. And we all know <laughs> you, don't, you don't practice physical therapy on your wife. So I have no dummy. I have nobody to actually demonstrate techniques on right now. So I kind of made a switch in the beginning, twofold. One, focusing on how do I essentially convert my current customers in my brick and mortar practice over to telehealth and how do i keep my business going and two is i've been doing a lot more business coaching and consulting lately Um, i've got essentially four or five clients that i'm working with right now primarily on business development that means building online courses building an online presence Um, and i think that essentially if you don't have that as a component of your business we're all learning now during this crisis that that is such like a key component moving forward. If you don't have an online presence in an online business, gosh forbid something like this were to happen again in a couple of years or we're all learning our lesson here. Um, And so I think that's really key is, is understanding how do you transition your current business and create an online presence and share your passion and your gifts online. But then also how do you take your existing brick and mortar practice and stay afloat during this time? And in the past couple of months in March, we did uh, 95% um, in April, we did over 100% talking about number of sessions compared to 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, and We're on track this month. So we were able to convert just about, I, I wouldn't say everyone, but enough people that w- we actually are, are doing quite well with regards to our numbers. Now, that doesn't equate to reimbursement um, because that's a whole other story. We're just talking about number of sessions, but that's really the key is keeping your volume up so that when this thing does eventually go away and the reimbursement or whatever comes back, you know, because we discounted our sessions a little bit for telehealth. We had to space things out a little bit. So it's not exactly the same, um, but compared to, you know, somehow if some of our colleagues have fared, I think we've done pretty well.
0: That's great. And and I love that because you're, you're not only talking about like, long-term courses and things like that, but immediate right now I can help you with this telehealth. Um, and there's two really different options of that. Right. And, and for me, like when we shifted, we had, we shifted to in like a two day period to, to offer telehealth when we had no intentions of doing it. And now that we're doing it, I've really loved it. It's been fun. Um, I've been able to help a lot of people in ways that I never thought I would. And what I'm seeing online are people are people in our industry being fearful to even attempt telehealth because they think, oh, I can't help people without touching them or without doing this. I'm a manual therapist. Well, yeah, I'm a manual therapist too. I've been touching people for 22 years and um, to not be able to touch them for that time was weird. Now we're at a point where we're doing people, Texas is back open and and live uh, as well as we're still doing telehealth for some folks, but people are coming into the studio, but we're seeing that a lot of people are really fearful right now and scared. They're just not really ready to come in. Um, And so but my, So my visits are kind of broken into about half and half telehealth and half in, in, uh, in, in person. But literally two days we shifted and had no intentions of doing that. And mm-hmm. some of our patients were happy to try telehealth. Some of our patients we just haven't even been able to get in touch with. So tell me a little bit about your process to get in touch with people and your message as you've been talking to people about the transition to telehealth. Sure.
1: So you said something really interesting. You said some people are really fearful I'm actually not sure if you meant the therapists or the clients. And it's an interesting point, right? It's like, wh- whose fear is it, right? Is it that as a, as a physical therapist, we're afraid that we're going to get rejected when we try to offer it, and so we don't offer it? Or is it the patient's actual fear of coming into the practice? There's, there's fear on both sides. Um, I think first and foremost, you know, every conversation we ever have with our patients is a conversion point. If I need you to do your homework, if I need you to do your home exercises, that's a conversion point. I have to convert you from not believing the home exercise is worthwhile to believing the home exercise is worthwhile. If I want you to book another appointment, that's a conversion point. I have to get you from not having another appointment to having another appointment. Everything is behavior change. And so that little delta, we have to do that all the time with our patients. We have to get them from one belief to another belief, and we have to do that through our communication, through our actions, right? So... If you currently have patients that you have not reached out to yet for telehealth, because you think that, ah, they're not going to like, and I'm a manual therapist. They don't, you know, that's the other whose, whose belief problem is that? Is that your belief problem as a therapist or is that the patient? If you don't think you can get results through telehealth, that's your fear, not theirs. 100%. That's, that's your stuff. So first and foremost is just reflecting for a moment and going, do I feel inadequate in some way to deliver telehealth or does my customer really not want it? Which, what's really the obstacle here? And when we find out that really it's us, um, that we're a little apprehensive because we think, oh, the, the patient's not going to want it, we don't, we don't really communicate it correctly and we don't sell it right. So that, that's number one is just recognizing that. Number two like that. is if the obstacle to telehealth, let me, sorry, let me back up. If the obstacle to coming in to see you really is, you know, like just fear, then you have to address the fear. Don't try to convince them about it. Just, just address the fear. And the fear is mostly based off of obviously contracting COVID, right? Correct. So you have to communicate to them, look, if you ever if you come in to see me, these are the steps that we are taking. We've done this, 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 and this. Masks. We, we sanitize everything. We, no patient interaction. We space the sessions apart. You ha- that all has to be communicated. And I'm, I'm sure like you did, we communicated that really, really early. And so we, in Jersey, uh, PT was never shut down because we we're an essential service. And so this whole time, we're still seeing people in person. At this point, it's about 50-50, just like you are. But you have to communicate the very specific steps that you've taken. And please don't do it in an email. Shoot a video. Shoot a video and then send the video out to all your customers. We also use ringless voicemail. So I, I I don't ever use ringless voicemail, but I thought, what a perfect way to do it. For the people who don't know what ringless voicemail is, that's when somebody gets a message on their phone and I never called them. I just record the message through a ringless voicemail service. The service drops the voicemail into their, into their uh, voice messages, but the phone never really rings. They just get the voicemail. So ringless voicemail is the perfect way to get the message to them because it's, it's not text, it's not email, it's something they don't, right? Everybody checks their voicemail. And so when we first needed to get this message to people, we texted it, we did ringless voicemail, we did email, and we posted it on social. We had to make sure that people understood the steps that we were taking so that they could be comfortable coming into the practice. So that's that's number one. All right. Then there's the second part, which is how do you get somebody that you think, and they've said, comes in for manual therapy, converted to a movement-only intervention like telehealth? Right? That's the thing. And I actually saw a post, I can't remember, maybe it was in Ray's group, on... Uh, Recently somebody said about, you know, none of my patients will come in and see me. I'm a manual therapist. Yeah. What what am I supposed to do? Yeah. And yeah. here's what people don't understand. All right. And I I hope I hope I'm not gonna overstep my bounds here to say this. We're energy workers. We're energy workers. Not in the woo-woo sense of like Reiki and all that. Can I curse by the way? Is that all right? <laughs> not, not in the woo-woo sense of like Reiki and all that shit. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm talking about actual energy like you learn in physics in biology and chemistry. I'm talking about energy, right? Potential energy. That's a form of energy, not the woo-woo stuff. Yeah, yeah. When you touch somebody, you're applying mechanical energy. When you use phonophoresis, that's chemical energy. When you use E-stim, that's electrical energy. When you use ultrasound, most people don't use it, but or extracorporeal shockwave therapy, that's sound energy. When you use hot packs and cold packs, that's thermal energy. All we do as practitioners, all we ever do is we apply inputs in the form of energy into our patient system. Our patient processes that input and then there is some sort of output. And that output either makes them better, worse, or the same. That's all we do, ever, as practitioners. And one could even say that communication is some sort of form of energy too. But I'm just talking about the physical stuff right now. So if The result that you get is primarily through the application of mechanical energy using your hands, pressure, decompression, shear. Those are the only forces we have, right? Maybe bending and torsion or other forces. But you either push on something, you compress it, you pull on it, that's tension, or you push across it, that's shear. Those are your forces. And so when you think about it, what the hell difference is it whether it's manual therapy or exercise? It's still a mechanical force. And it's important to understand if I have somebody hold their arm out, let's say you're doing manual resistant exercise. Someone's on your table and you're doing like dynamic reversals, like PNF patterns or something. Right. And you're doing it manually. How is that different than a resistance machine? If I push on you, how is that different than a lacrosse ball? Like I don't, it's just force. Yeah. So once you understand that mechanical energy is mechanical energy and what your patient is responding to is the mechanical input, not your hands. Mechanical input. The only question then you have is if they're not responding to a different kind of mechanical input, namely exercise, it's all about belief. It has to be because it's the same mechanical input. If I do something on an exercise machine and I do it with my hands and both apply the same force to the tissue, they're going to get the same result. So if belief is the limiting factor to the patient getting better, then where are we falling short? Is it the intervention or our ability to create belief? And so that's all about the conversation that you have. If you can tell your patient, look, I know that you get a lot of benefit from the manual therapy. I do too. We all do. Manual therapy is awesome because we can find the booboo, we can push around it and things feel great afterwards. But it's important to understand that all I'm doing with you is I'm applying a force into your body. And I can replicate a similar force using movement and exercise. And a lot of my patients, when we do exercise, it's also analgesic. They feel better because it's, it's, it's an input to the system, just like my hands. And I believe that I can give you exercises and self-treatments that you can do at home that are going to help you to relieve your pain, just like my hands do. So that is important. Now, some people make the argument, well, but my patient is already exercising. They already go to the gym, they do Orange Theory online, they do P90X or whatever. Well, unless, unless the Orange Theory instructor or the boot camp instructor has your doctoral degree, I certainly hope that the level of expertise and what they're getting through that is a little bit different than what we're delivering. Now, I'm, I don't mean that mm. to put down any exercise experts. Personal trainers and exercise experts, a lot of them are amazingly good but they don't necessarily have the education to understand the impairments that they're trying to treat. They're delivering a fitness intervention, but getting people better is all about balancing the system, right? That's the reason the symptom is there in the first place is because the system is out of homeostasis. That's why the symptom is there is to let us know, Hey, dummy, something's wrong. The fitness expert is not designed to treat that they're only designed to up level the entire system, not to balance the system. So our interventions from a therapeutic exercise, motor control, neuromuscular education, whatever the hell you want to call it, our movement interventions, having the same mindset that imbalances in the system are leading to strain that leads to pain. There is no way that can be done by a fitness professional who doesn't understand or was not educated on how to perform a musculoskeletal evaluation to identify the specific impairments that are leading to the problem. So I don't, that's not really a good reason not to do So totally. Anyway, that was a long ass answer, but that's what I believe. But I, but I like that. And it's, it's the, it basically
0: boils down to your own mindset, right? Like I've been doing this for 22 years and I could have chosen to not even attempt telehealth because of my, like belief of like, well, I'm a male therapist. Right. Well, I'm a male therapist, but I also teach Pilates. I also do a lot of other stuff. So so what I've learned with my telehealth is I just approach it the same way. Show me what hurts. That hurts. That hurts. That hurts. Okay. I know you got a problem closing on that joint. All right. Now we're going to do some work. And what would I teach that person to go home and do? Well, I just have them. I just have them do it right in there because what I know when I do it for them and I asked them to go home and do it. They don't do it as much as I would want them to do it. Now they're forced to do it. And they're having to do it. And all of a sudden, I've, had, I've treated someone's right hip to improve the left shoulder flexibility. And they're like, how the heck did that happen? I said, well, because I've looked at a few other things than just your shoulder and your neck. And based on your movement assessment, you did this, this, this. But it was that that same aha moment of like, this hurt when I came in, this hurt when I came in. Now it doesn't, just from me taking them through something they can do at home anytime. And that becomes really powerful for them. But it also becomes really like exciting for me to see that I can just walk them through a program that makes a a benefit. And I'm talking, I've seen some pretty big uh, changes in people that have been really exciting. And one of my clients right now in telehealth, he flat out told me he wouldn't come in he hasn't been into my studio in 10 years, maybe eight years, but his wife has been coming in. And once his wife said, Hey, he's really helping me with telehealth. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden he said, I'll try it. And now he's seen me twice a week. And I don't think he's going anywhere because it started off with like, Oh yeah, my neck's stiff. And and then, and then it ended. And then within a week or two, he's like, well, my neck hurts. My, my back hurts. My, my ankle hurts. And, "Oh, you know, we're working on a lot of stuff and it's just been really fun. But I could have limited myself or crippled myself and just said, I don't know how to help this guy because I'm a, I'm a hands-on person. And yeah. I it's so exciting to see the changes and see their homes and see their, the functional things that they're doing, the functional things that they need help with that I don't ever get to see when they're coming to the clinic. So my hope is that telehealth stays around on my business as something that we offer as a part of the, the plan as they get better and move on. They can continue doing some telehealth to progress, to continue to have to uh, work on what they, they need to work on without coming in. So, uh, so just I just want to say good. hi to uh, Brenton and say hi to Andy who hopped on. Thanks for hopping so, on, you guys. Y'all have any questions, put them below. All right. So, so now, man, any,
1: anything you want to follow up with anything else? And then I, I have one more question for you. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I will say I'm embarrassed to say there are some patients for whom I've gotten better, faster results with telehealth than in person. Yeah, And and the primary reason is, I think, what you just said, is that, you know, they come in for the manual and you know that they start depending on it. And in this environment, they have no choice but to actually do the movement stuff that we've been telling them to do the whole time. So, you know, there's, there's something to be said for that, too. That's
0: right. That's right. Now, you earlier mentioned not only telehealth, but you mentioned online courses and a digital digital products. Um, and I'd like you to talk about that a little bit because that's something I've been building slowly but surely over several years, and it's not new to me. And I have a few things that I'm actually, I launched because of this, because it, I had the time to work on them and get them finished. So I've launched a few things virtually that I have been kind of on the, not, not on the fence, it's just taken me a while to do because I've doing other things. But I'm really curious to know, a little bit more about your virtual offerings and, and how,
1: you've, how COVID might have changed some of that for you. So that's an interesting question. So the primary way that COVID changed for me is just a recognition of the need in the industry for guidance for physical therapists who want to do this. So I know how to build online courses. Online courses are actually really easy to build the concept that the online course is the hard part is a fallacy. The hard part is figuring out the marketing and the branding. Is how are you going to get that course to people? How are you going to change their belief system about something enough to take out their credit card and actually put in those numbers and actually pay for the thing that you're offering? So what I'm working with with my coaching clients right now, I actually don't call it coaching, I call it consulting because it's really business development, is from scratch What do you do to build an online brand and an online system and deliver a result through a course? The course is just the conduit for delivering the result. We promise that result in person sometimes. Now we're going to promise it online. That leads to a bunch of objections, knee-jerk reactions that people have. A lot of people are apprehensive about buying things online. The decision-making process is different. And so what I'm working with them on is developing a brand and marketing strategy to deliver an online course because shooting the videos is easy. Anybody can pull out their iPhone and shoot a bunch of videos about how to treat low back or how to self-treat your neck or whatever. That's not the hard part. Getting people to buy your cheek that's the hard part. So, you know, that's essentially where I've pivoted a little bit from focusing on the clinical side to focusing on the business side is I've been doing a lot more of helping others to build their online courses. So I have a small suite of of courses that I sell right now. The one that I focus mostly on is a course on cupping. And the reason I focus on the cupping course is because it's just the most robust course that I have. It goes through all different kinds of versions of cupping, different ways to cup. And I primarily deliver that course to uh, massage therapists. So. In doing that, that course, I'm not making a million dollars off of it. That's not my goal. That course pays for my mortgage. It pays for all my food and utilities, just that one course. So if if we can have a course out there that pays for every major expense that you have in life, even if it's not yet your full-time business, because it's not my full-time business. I own a brick-and-mortar practice. That's where I make my bread and butter. But if I can pay all my expenses off with one online course that is 100% passive. People say online courses are not passive. Well, it depends on how you build them. That course is built 100% to be passive and it literally is. I sold 3 three yesterday, three course three of those courses yesterday. Literally that's me sitting at my computer, doing telehealth calls, downstairs eating, my phone rings and it goes you just made 100 bucks. I'm like cool. That's passive income. That's the definition of passive income, right? There's no reason why all of us shouldn't have an online course or program that is delivering passive income. Now, why is that? It's because every physical therapist or health practitioner on the face of the earth has the knowledge that is tremendously valuable to a handful of people. And because we all have unique life experiences, that knowledge is unique to us. And so learning how to deliver that in the form of a course online and having that in your back pocket, it's a little bit like an insurance program. It's like insurance. It's money insurance. So that when your brick and mortar goes down, a bunch of your clients stop coming, that's still running in the background, bringing in revenue. And whether you decide to make that your full-time venture, your part-time venture, you know, I, I think it's important that we all think about how do I develop a presence online That is the direction that everything is moving towards, as we can well see. And healthcare is really no different. In 10 years from now, we're going to look back at today and go, that was the turning point where we all should have realized that this is where we should be investing ourselves. Kind of like when the real estate market was booming and we all look back and go, I should have bought that that damn brownstone and red hook when it was like a piece of crap neighborhood and now it's worth 3 billion 3 million dollars right? <laughs> so you know it's it's all about looking at making understanding the trends and understanding that the online knowledge and education platform that that market is predicted to be it's it's growing i think five times going to 3.5 billion in like a couple of years i don't remember what the metric is but it's it's a very very big expanding market and in healthcare is no different so i think that ultimately is the way COVID has changed my understanding is just the importance of having an online presence. And that's what I spend my, my time doing. So if anybody's interested in that, they should just contact me on Facebook or go to uh, uh, physio com and just shoot me a message, but that's key. Uh, but anyway, so that's, I think that's ultimately where the shift has been for me. And it's not that I'm giving up on uh, clinical, clinical yeah. skill stuff. Like my book is coming out soon, uh, the physio frameworks. And as soon as uh, you know, I'm back in the clinic, and I have Andrew, my guy, who helps me with all this stuff, and I have a body on the table and I have somebody to run the camera. We'll start shooting the clinical skill stuff again, but everybody's going to have to wait until, uh, until there's a vaccine or whatever needs to happen.
0: Got it. Got it. I got gotcha. you. Well, I, I wanted to – you've already answered my last question, was how do people get in touch with you. Thank you for that. Um, and I want to just kind of summarize what we've done in this process to get our digital pr- – product live in a short time. We've been working on this mo- monthly membership for our clients where it was going to have videos that they could uh, pay monthly to have access to these Pilates videos, some, um, some release work videos, some phone roller videos, different things um, by me and my staff. And what happened as soon as we went to telehealth, we went to virtual Pilates. And so we started filming virtual Pilates classes. And when we filmed those through Zoom, we just muted everybody, recorded it, and now we've taken those 60-minute videos. And over the last six weeks, we've accumulated about 80 videos because we're filming 15 or so, 20 a week. I don't remember exactly. But we've got about 80 videos that have been totally repurposed. Someone paid us to watch it online, take it online. Now we're taking that video and putting it into our membership site for people to purchase and buy on a monthly basis. And with that, it's something that like we were building this. But we only had about 25 videos and they were all like 15 to 30 minutes. Well, now we've got, we've at, we have we, we don't have them all added into the membership site yet, but it's coming. And it's about, we're going to have a, over a hundred videos real soon that it's just our adapting to it. Now, eventually, like we've only got, we've only been offering it now for a week. So we've got like six people that have signed up and it's not a lot per month. But my goal is to take that six people to 50 people, to a hundred people. And, and I know right now it's still unusual for people to be thinking about think this kind of mem you know online world but this is becoming the norm like you just said this is something we're shifting to all over so i'm really excited about that that's the website that i put below pilates to thrive and it's something that my clients are they know they're comfortable with my trainers they're comfortable with the people that are teaching them and so this is a way that they can stay involved for longer for the people that fall off and then for us as well we have some people that they just don't um they don't end up um what's the word they uh they end, up, they end up wanting more to do in between, but they don't want to come in and pay the money because we're charging anywhere from, you know, 90 bucks to 200 plus for the hour, depending on what we're doing. And so if they can take something at home and implement it and actually do it, then that becomes a real exciting thing for us. And like you said, I sent out an email on Monday telling about the new some new policies and updates we're doing. And I said, oh, by the way, here's our new um, website. And then I get that same little email that ding, someone signed up, you know. Yep. And right now, again, it's like 27 bucks a month. It's not a lot of money. But at the same time, I'm super happy that in a short time, we've created something that is going to become that asset, that digital asset that becomes a passive income generator. And again, we got work to do on it. We definitely got work to do on it, but it's really been a fun process. And so that's why I'm I'm super excited because you and I are both doing similar things, different niches in different ways but you're adapting and I love it. And that's really why I wanted to chat with you and and pick your brain and hear what you have to say. Well, well, Jared, I'm at a point where I have to get going with my next client, which I'm so grateful. I've got three clients coming in today, back to back to back with a 30 minute break in between so I can do all the cleaning and stuff. But uh, I'm super excited for that because it feels kind of like a normal afternoon, you know, to have like some people, um, so with that said, I want to thank you so much for your time, man. I really appreciate it. You got some great, great knowledge coming out. And um, look forward to when your book comes out. Uh, keep me posted on that. And uh, just thanks for your time, man. And I really appreciate my time on your podcast a few months back. And just to let everyone know, we met a year ago this weekend while we were at SSPT. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it, would have been, uh, like, it would have been like Friday or Saturday of this weekend coming up that we met. So yep. in a year's time. We have met once in person and now we've now had a couple podcasts together and building a a digital friendship, digital relationship. And again, because of this internet and because of social, because of these things, we can create these relationships that can go a long, long way. So I just want to thank you, my friend. And uh, we'll talk soon. Okay, buddy. Absolutely. Stephen. Great to be on, man. All right. You take care my man. Bye-bye. Peace out. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. And if you did, Could you do us a favor and leave some love and write us a review? My name is Stephen Dunn. I help physical therapists incorporate Pilates into their physical therapy practice. If you would like more information on how you can incorporate Pilates into your physical
1: therapy practice, then like my Facebook page, Pilates for PTs.